You're listening to the Emerging As Me podcast with me, your host, Caitlin Cox, a show to encourage and uplift you with my personal stories and impactful guest interviews. As we work through the hard stuff together, we will empower one another to persevere through all of life's challenges. We'll cover it all from marriage and motherhood, living in rural communities, loss and hardship, and how to keep faith alive while finding hope in your everyday life. The journey of life, as I have learned, isn't always a direct path to success and happiness. I'm traveling down life's winding roads, learning to navigate as I go, always growing and emerging with new perspectives and understanding. I'm constantly emerging as me through all of the things that life throws my way. So join me on this journey as we choose to emerge as better versions of ourselves every day. Let's get into it, y'all. Welcome to the podcast today, y'all. Today, I have a very special guest, Ellen Ruskamp. She is a farm wife and fellow boy mama from rural Nebraska. When she's not chasing her kiddos or helping out on the farm, she enjoys getting in touch with her creative side through her business, Midwest Marigold, where she designs graphic tees that are inspired by the heart and soul of rural life that leave women feeling full of confidence and beautiful in everyday life. So welcome, Ellen. I'm so honored to have you on the show today. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and where you're from? Yeah. Hi. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute honor to be here. My name is Ellen Ruskamp. I live in Northeast Nebraska with my husband and our three boys, and we live on his family farm where we raise corn, soybeans, wheat, large variety of cover crop. And then we also do have a cow-calf operation. So I get to help out on the farm. I do all the book work and just kind of typical farm wife stuff on the farm, you know, running and doing all the things that need to be done and shuffling kids and stuff like that. So yeah, you stay busy. <laughs> yes, we do. Out. There is really not much slow downtime, <laughs> which is okay. The days go by fast and they're enjoyable and it's fun getting to raise the boys on the farm, especially right now. We just started harvest and uh, it's been really fun to you know, really immerse the boys in that. And I get to run grain cart. And so it's fun having the boys bounce back and forth between the combine and me. And it's just some extra time that we get to spend together, which is nice. Yeah, I agree. It's a great way to raise children, to have them in this atmosphere of farm life. I really wouldn't have it any other way, even though sometimes it makes me want to pull my hair out because things are so busy and can be really stressful. I really wouldn't have it any other way. So me and you kind of connected through Emily Russell. So you attended the Ascend Retreat back in like November of last year, right? Yes, it was November of last year. Yes, which is crazy that it's coming up almost a year already because it seems like yesterday that I was attending that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I went to the one in March and then we're both, I'm participating in a mastermind and I think you are too, aren't you? Yes. So then after Emily's retreat, I really was able to get clear on a lot of things that I wanted to do. At the time, I was working part-time off the farm. 
And I had also started my own small business and I just kind of felt like there was just so many different things going on and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so after the retreat, I was like, wow, this is this was amazing. I need more of this. And so when Emily had announced her next round of masterminds, I was like, yep, sign me up. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I actually had no idea that she even did masterminds. I like went to the retreat and then I kind of like looked more closely. I was like, okay, yeah, I need to be a part of that mastermind group because I need to keep this going. I need to not stop here. I need this group, this community of support to like sustain me so I can keep going. So yeah, it's a really special thing to be a part of. I can really agree with you on that. So today, what I want to talk about October, the month of October is Infant Loss Awareness Month. And you and I have both experienced the loss of a baby. So I wanted to get together with you here today so that you can share your story. I feel like often when we go through something like this, we don't really talk about it. And when someone else goes through a similar experience, sharing our stories can really help. At least in my experience, I know that it really helped me feel less alone and gave me a lot of hope that I could get through that really hard season in my life. So I'll let you share your story with the listeners. And then can you share, you know, what emotions and challenges you went through during that time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It is an absolute honor to be able to share our son's story. And I'm just very grateful that um, you asked me to be a part of your podcast to share this story. So yeah. Let's see, back in February, January, February of this year, we found out that we were expecting and we were still wanting more kids, but it was kind of a little bit of a surprise. My husband, I think, was very shocked when I told him. And so there was kind of adjusting to that. Um, We were very, very excited. And I kind of spent the first trimester just sick very tired, you know, all the typical things that, you know, you typically experience first trimester. So that was kind of just mentally trying to get through all of that, juggle all my responsibilities, give myself permission to just rest and let the to-do list be. And so got through all of that, started feeling really better. We had our first appointment and I feel like, you know, when you're pregnant in that first trimester, you're always kind of holding your breath a little bit because you do know that there is that possibility of miscarriage. So we had our first appointment. And so of course I'm a little bit nervous, just, I want to make sure everything's okay. And so we went in and first appointment, everything was great. Heartbeat. I mean, just nothing was wrong. All my blood work was back real well. And so that was just a huge weight lifted off our shoulders and just felt really good. And then, you know, going into the next month, you know, I'm in my second trimester. I feel really good. And so I had my, it was supposed to be, I think a 14 week appointment and it was a 15 week appointment went in and I had kind of my to-do list for the day. I needed to go and get groceries. I needed to do all sorts of errands afterwards. And so my appointment was just kind of one of those things. I was just going, making sure everything was okay, checking it off the list and then moving on for the day. And so our doctor's office is only about 20 minutes from where we live. It is a smaller hospital. 
So yeah, I went and was by myself, you know, um, my husband, it was springtime. This was April. He was busy in the field spraying. And so, you know, a lot of times farm wives, and even if you're not a farm wife, I think a lot of times women just typically, they go to those appointments by themselves and you really don't think twice about it. And so we went or I went and everything was checking out good, you know, and then the doctor came in and she was just going to check for a heartbeat and she couldn't find one. And so we were trying to stay calm and just, it was just the little handheld Doppler. So, you know, the accuracy on that, you know, could be argued. So she goes and she gets the little portable ultrasound machine, brings that into the room. She was able to find baby, but baby was not moving and still was unable to find a heartbeat. And so that is where I just really, all those scary thoughts of my baby, my baby's gone, you know, and they're still trying to keep my hopes up. They're like, we're going to get you upstairs. We're going to do an actual ultrasound. We're just going to make sure everything's okay. So at that time uh, we had called my husband and yeah, he was in the field and he dropped what he was doing and he headed into town. So it was about half hour later, he showed up and we went upstairs And that is when they confirmed that there indeed was no heartbeat. And that was, the wind was completely taken out of me to hear those words. I thought that we were so far into pregnancy that everything should be okay. That risk really goes down. And so you just don't think about it. And it just, I was completely just in a state of shock and I didn't know what to think. It was hard to breathe, you know, and I just remember sitting there just crying hysterically. So they sent us home and they said that just since we are a smaller hospital, having something like this happen farther into pregnancy is something that they just don't experience as often. And so they wanted to consult with some other specialists. And so we got home and we got the call that we will need to go down to a town about 45 minutes from us. It's a little bit larger that has a larger hospital with just more resources. So they said that you know, since you are as far along as you are in your pregnancy, that you will need to go down there for delivery. And so then the kicker was, unfortunately, the doctor that the specialist that that does that was out of the office for the next two days. So we had to wait two days to go down there and to have them. And that was a very, very hard two days, just knowing that your little baby isn't with you anymore. And so then we went down to Fremont two days later, it was a Thursday and, um, I was induced and, you know, they said that it could take anywhere from a couple hours to up to 24 hours or longer, um, just depending upon, you know, how things go. And so, you know, they started me on the medicine and, things were progressing a little bit. And since I was not, I mean, I was into my second trimester, um, but, but since I wasn't a lot longer along labor itself, um, I was very thankful that pain wise, it was very manageable. So it was later that afternoon, things were progressing a little bit more and we ended up having 
a little boy and when he was born um, sleeping, they said, congratulations, you have another little boy. And we were both very shocked because we've got three little boys running around at home and we're like, wow, what are the odds? Four boys, like how wild is that? And so it was just... He was absolutely perfect, you know, all the way from his little ears to his nose, his fingers and his toes. I mean, he was the most perfect little boy. And so I was actually very thankful. We got to spend so much time with him. We got to hold him. We named him Sam Thomas. And it was just the most heartbreaking but humbling time of our lives to be filled with so much sadness and so much gratitude all at the same time. Just so many waves of emotions to handle. I just remember we stayed overnight and the next day when it came to leaving the hospital empty-handed, that was extremely hard. And while I knew that that was going to happen, still to prepare yourself for that, there's nothing you can do to prepare yourself for that. And I just remember not knowing what to do with my hands and just that empty feeling of not knowing, you know, what to do. Just you feel at a complete loss. And I just remember for a couple of days after that, I, I honestly, I had to have something in my hands. Otherwise I, it just felt wrong. And I thank the Lord that we were able to come home to our three beautiful boys and to hug them and hold them. That was very helpful to have them to come home to and to focus on them and to to just be reminded and everything that we do have to be thankful for still through all of the grief and loss and the heartache that comes with that. The boys, they really did pull us through and we were very, very thankful for that. Yeah, I can really relate to the the feeling of like not knowing what to do with your hands or your arms. I remember just it's like a physical ache that you your arms are empty. It's like your your body, your arms are physically aching to hold your baby, your child. I remember feeling that feeling all too well. So you and your husband, I know you were talking about like your kids, y'all, when getting home to them, that it really helped having your, your other babies to live on and to hold. So as a whole, like as your family and you and your husband coping with the loss of your baby, how or I guess were there any like support systems or resources that you feel like were really helpful to y'all as a couple or as a family? You know, I think that... For us, we just needed our space and we were given that by family and friends. You know, we just needed our space to be with the boys and to focus on them um, because to the boys, they knew that we were having a baby and they were very excited. And so coming home to have to deliver that news to them was the hardest thing. Having to explain to our five-year-old son that Sam went to heaven to be with God. And that was very hard to explain, but the innocence that they have and just how they think things work and everything. And Kip, he would go around and tell everyone he was just so proud. He just, he kept telling everyone, 
we have our angel baby Sam up in heaven with God watching over us and just their strength and innocence through that all just really gives you such hope that everything will be okay. And so for us, we definitely just spent, so we were heading at, you know, this was April, we were heading into summertime. So we really just, we spent time as a family, we slowed down. We didn't put pressure on ourselves to, you know, there was, I know one weekend that we had a wedding that we were invited to that we were planning on going to. And I just told Garrett, I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. And so not putting the pressure on ourselves because we felt like we had to be there, just saying no and protecting our space and our peace. That was very helpful to take the space that we needed and not feel bad about it because until you experience something like this, it really is, it's hard to understand what you, that person is going through. And so we really did just respect our, or we really did just protect our peace and our grief and we felt our feelings and the boys for them, something that we did to kind of help them cope when they were feeling sad. I got them um, these little bunnies that um, had Sam's name on it. And I can't remember exactly the saying. And I think it's something um, when you're feeling sad, here is a hug from me to you. And so each of the boys, they call them their little Sam bunnies. And so they sleep with them every night. Like they have never been attached to stuffed animals before. You know, I think that's just maybe kind of a boy thing. I don't know. and. They don't go anywhere without these little bunnies. They make sure every night that they have them. And so when they are, when they're feeling sad, and so there was times when Kip especially, you could tell he was kind of feeling sad and feeling that loss. And so we would sit down, we would grab a sand bunny and we would give it a hug. And so I think too, just sitting there with the boys and just feeling those feelings with them and just knowing that we're there. And that that was very, very helpful, just not trying to shove the feelings aside and feeling those feelings of grief because they're real. And I think if you push those feelings down and try not to acknowledge them, it's going to be so much harder to deal with the grief in the long run. And I mean... Feeling the feeling, it is very difficult to feel those feelings of hurt and loss and hopelessness. But if you don't, it's it's going to eat you alive. I mean, the weight of just trying to ignore those feelings is so much harder and so much heavier than actually going through the process of grieving and feeling what you need to feel in that moment. And so there were times where I just felt incredibly sad and that I just needed to cry. And so I did that. There was times where I felt like I needed to talk to somebody, but yet I didn't want to because I'm like, that's got to be so, it's going to be so hard to talk and to express how I'm feeling. But when I did, I felt so much better, just the weight lifted off. Um, And so every time I feel that weight get heavy, I I lean into that and I acknowledge, you know, hey, do I need a minute to just sit by myself and be quiet? Do I need to talk to somebody? 
and just really paying attention to that, I think is very important in the grieving process and doing what you need for you in that time and not apologizing for it because your feelings are valid and your feelings are very real. I absolutely agree with with giving yourself the space and the time that you need to grieve because I know I took like well I had planned after we lost Evie I had already planned to take six months off of work to be with her to be at home with her mm-hmm. and I just remember going like well what am I going to do well I just took the six months anyways because I was so raw or I didn't I emotionally could not handle being around other people it was just too raw I didn't everything upset me and I didn't want to like well I I feel like maybe being around other people you have to put on a face of like you know getting back into the groove of normal life and I just could not emotionally do that so I was blessed enough that I could stay home for that six months and try to figure out you know what my life looks like now because it it is just like somebody just rips the the rug out right beneath from beneath your feet and you you really have to just reconfigure how you see the rest of your life because it's yeah it's just really hard and then I guess kind of going right into some of the things you were saying and then how you know giving yourself the space I know I remember People would try to express their condolences to me and it totally came out in such an like, insulting way. It made me feel like they were minimizing the life of my baby, my child. And I remember it made me so angry and I was so hurt by some of the words that people said. I know a lot of people struggle to find the right words to say to someone who's experienced like a miscarriage or a stillbirth. From your experience, do you have any guidance on what to say or what not to say to a grieving grieving mother or couple? That's a hard one. You know, I think that that is something it is. It's a very hard one um, because I felt the exact same way being around people. It was very hard for you know, I was always scared that somebody maybe didn't know that we lost Sam and they would come up and congratulate me on being pregnant. And Mm -hmm. I just felt terrified of having that happen. And so, yeah, I absolutely, I did not want to be around people. Even I know there was times just to get out of the house, you know, I'd go to Target 45 minutes away and I'm like, okay, I think it would be good not running into anybody that I would know here. But just still walking through the aisles, you just, the most random thing will set you off and you'll just start crying. And so, yeah, I just remember that there were times where people would try to express their condolences. And like you said, it is very hard in that moment, especially if you have not experienced it. You want so bad to try and offer some peace and comfort to them, but you just don't know what to say. And so sometimes even though what you're trying to express to them is with sincere condolences and with the best of intentions, it still does come out in maybe not the way that um, you intended or you just don't even realize what you had said and the impact that they had because until you have gone through it, you really don't know. And two, even for couples that have gone through this, everyone's journey is so different. Everyone's journey is uniquely theirs 
and everyone experiences and deals with grief and loss so much differently. And so I feel like it's very hard to give advice as to what to say. I know there are some people that like, oh, I'm just so sorry that you had a miscarriage. And like the way that they said it was almost like, well, it was just a miscarriage. Like you'll move on. It'll be fine. Like I'm sure you'll try to have other kids. And what people don't realize, like I said, everyone's experience is uniquely different, you know? And so I don't think that people realize while, yes, I was still earlier on in my pregnancy, I was still far enough along. Like I gave birth to our son and we got to hold him. And then I had to say goodbye to him. We buried him. And, you know, I think that people just don't realize that the what exactly you're going through. And so they are just trying to offer condolences. And so I think that too, I know my husband and I, we've always been each other's rock and he's really helped me through this. And I know we talk about things a lot. And I think that when it comes to those things, people are just really trying to sympathize with you. When in reality, I think that people just need to more empathize with you as in they need to be there to listen and to acknowledge that you are grieving, you are going through a loss, but not trying to take that onto their shoulders and try to fix it. Just more or less being for there for them to listen versus trying to come up with the right words to try and fix your hurt. Because in all honesty, there are no right words there are no words that are going to make that hurt go away. I mean, maybe in the moment it will make you feel a little bit better, but there are no words. And so I think that too, just offering more or less a listening ear to somebody rather than trying really hard to find the right words to say, because there are no right words. And I continually had to remind myself of that, that when people said those things, that it was with the best of intentions, they weren't saying those things to try and hurt us or minimize our loss. But that's what it felt like, that they were, oh, it's just a miscarriage. That just really, that was that was hurtful. And I just, people just don't realize that. And that's no fault to their own, you know, because they hadn't gone through that. And I, I don't wish this upon anybody to have to go through this to know what it feels like. And so I think that was just kind of the big thing to remind myself that they aren't saying it to be hurtful. They are trying to be helpful, even though it's not feeling that way. Yeah. I love what you said about they're trying to sympathize and they need to empathize. That's perfectly said. Because like people, I feel like are trying to just, you know, slap a bandaid on it really fast to try to make you feel better. And it does the opposite. It just makes you feel minimized. Like your, your loss or your grief is just not like they're just trying to put a bandaid on it and keep moving. And it's just not something that can be done like that. Well, and I think too, people, when it comes to talking about loss and grief, it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. And so they don't, they themselves don't want to talk about it. And so they try to say something real quick, all neat neat and tidy to, you know, try and make you feel better so that we can move on to something else in conversation because it is uncomfortable. And that also is no fault to their own because yes, this is an uncomfortable topic to talk about, but it it needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Another thing too, 
the way you said you, you and your boys, like you've let them feel their feelings. That's something that going through this as children, that is showing them how to deal with their emotions so that when they grow up and someone else is in a similar circumstance, they're going to know how to to empathize with people and rather than sympathize. So I, I see that going through these things, I feel like I've, I've tried to take little lessons from, even though it's hard and it just about killed me going through it. I learned so much about myself and digging into my faith and just, I don't even, it's so hard to like put it into words, the things that I learned through that experience of losing Evelyn. But it really does give me perspective on how to show my kids and my, my family how to handle their emotions. And like you said, to, to feel those feelings because it's not going to do anybody any good just to sweep it under the rug and put on a, a hard face or a happy face, your mask, I guess, and keep going. It's going to hurt you in the long run. So I'm really I guess I could say I'm proud of you for for handling those emotions in that way with your family. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I know that sometimes it just it seems like it could be easier to just shut down and shove it aside and when we tried to do that, it just the weight of that was so much harder. And so I think that I guess if I could offer any advice to anybody that is experiencing this to not shove it under the rug. And like I said, every experience for everyone is different and what they need is different. Some people need space and to just be left alone. Some people need to talk immediately about it. And so I think to just really acknowledge what you feel that you need in that moment and do that for yourself. So if that means that you need to take time off work if that means that you need to go and see a therapist or you need to go talk to a friend or a family member to just do those things that you need for yourself to help grieve and cope. I know that there were definitely for me, I needed the space, but at the same time, when people did offer like, I'm here for you, if you need anything, you know, and then just leaving it at that. And so if I wanted to go to that person, I could. And two, I think for people to know that if you offer a listening ear and they don't come to you, it's not because they don't want to, and it's not because they're upset with you or anything like that. They are just doing what they need for them is best. And sometimes too, there's people that have reached out to me that like, oh, if you need anything, I'm always here. And don't feel like you do have to reach out. There are certain people that I want to talk to about this with when I'm feeling upset or I'm just having one of those days where I'm just feeling just all of the sadness and the grief. There are certain people that I know that I want to turn to and I do and they listen. I get it off my chest and I feel a lot better. So also don't feel guilty if you are not talking to like say a family member don't make yourself feel bad that just because they served a certain role in your life that you have to share your feelings with them because you don't. You share your feelings with who you need to and who you feel safe sharing them with. So yeah, like I said, whether that be a therapist, a family member, a friend to do that. Yeah. 
So you kind of covered everything from my question that I was going to ask. It was, um, <laughs> I was going to ask about um, like what advice you would give to someone in a similar situation, like strategies or resources that you found. And I know you said talking about therapy and talking to people. I mean, that's really the answer to that question and the space. Yeah. I mean, and really, like I said, with, in my situation, I've, I've always been a Christian, but during that time, I really, really carved out time. And I really, I think in a way I was looking for answers and Mm -hmm. I turned to my Bible in a way to look for answers. And I didn't get, you know, clear answers, of course, but I understood more about like, this is just an imperfect world. And I mean, things are going to happen, but I know that she is in heaven and that she is celebrating her birthday. Her birthday was yesterday. So she's celebrating her birthday with her grandpa and other family members that are there with her. But one thing that my mother-in-law told me this, and she actually told me this, we had a miscarriage before we lost Evie back in 2016. And it was after I came home from the hospital after that miscarriage, she told me, she said it was a pastor that she listens to, but said that her pastor said that in order for a soul to get to heaven, that they have to pass through earth. She said, so Caitlin, you got that soul, that baby to heaven. So I always think of it that way, that they were too perfect for this imperfect world, that they needed us or God chose us to be the carrier to get that soul, that perfect soul to heaven, to live with him for eternity. So that's one way that, or one thing that always gives me a lot or an extreme amount of comfort is in knowing that and that I was chosen to get them there. So that is absolutely so beautiful. That really is. That is very, very beautiful and such a great reminder of our role as mothers and what we did for our precious little babies to get them to heaven, to their true home. And that is a very good comforting reminder. I would completely agree with leaning into your faith. Um, That is also something that I did. I took the time to start journaling, to read daily devotionals, to spend time because I think I was doing the same thing. I was looking for answers because we did not get any clear answers either. We did all sorts of testing, all sorts of blood work, and everything came back completely normal. And so I think that while that's a relief that, you know, I think I was afraid to that I would find out that there was maybe something wrong with me or it was something that I did wrong when that is 100% not true, but still being left without any answers and where do you turn to find those answers? And I would agree that turning to my faith to try to understand and finding that true comfort um, in God and his word was very helpful in that time. And it still is reading the daily devotionals and I do gratitude journaling. And so when things seem so hopeless and um, when you're feeling like you are just missing that piece of you um, that is now in heaven to just also remember that he's still there. Your baby, our babies are still with us 
and to remember what we still do have to be grateful for here. My husband, our three little boys that we have running around the house, our other family members, uh, the fact that we get to live on the farm, just so many things that when you do sit back and try to remember what you also other things have to be grateful for is very helpful in those times. Yeah, absolutely. A great gratitude can really get you through some really hard days. And especially everything's really still fresh and raw for you, Ellen. It's, I mean, because it hasn't been, has it even been six months yet? So I actually would have been due with Sam um, here in a couple weeks. I would have been due with him on October 10th. So I would be coming into my you know, last couple weeks of pregnancy. And so the last couple weeks have actually kind of been a little bit harder again, just seeing everything that should have been. I know like when we started harvest, I went to go climb up into the tractor and it just kind of hit me like I should have been nine months pregnant and how difficult this would have been to climb up into the tractor. Just even to the fact that I wasn't really even supposed to be helping with harvest because I was supposed to be home with a newborn baby. And now that's not the case. And so just being reminded of a lot of the what should have been's right now have been very hard. And feeling that emptiness and loss all over again and the emptiness of what to do with my hands because I was supposed to be holding a newborn Mm -hmm. baby. So I think that there are going to be Many times, even though we've worked through a lot of um, this grief that, you know, like I said, his due date coming up, that is going to be extremely hard. His first birthday, that is going to be extremely hard. His birthday, five, six, seven, how many years down the road from now is going to be really hard. Seeing the different life events that other babies that were born around the same time of him, seeing them get to go off and experience those those are going to be hard. And so I think too, just remembering that there are still going to be hard times, but we are able to get through them because the strength through this loss that we've experienced, I, I I do truly believe that Sam has given me, you know, between Sam and God, they have given me the strength that I need to get through this and the hope that we need to move forward. I know I call Sam, he's my sunshine baby because I feel like he does. He just brings so much light into our lives. And a Bible verse that is actually kind of stuck with me is there is light in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. I believe it is John 1, 5. And that has really, that through these dark times, the light is still there. And the darkness is not going to swallow us whole, that we need to keep walking towards the light. And that's just something that has really stuck with me and helped me through a lot of my hard times. So yeah, I just have always thought of Sam as our sunshine baby and just he shining his light on us and guiding us through each day. Evelyn's due date was October the 9th. So <laughs> oh my goodness. they're right there together Aww. with their due date. Yeah. And you were talking about that, that verse from John, one that really spoke to me after I lost her was, I think it was John 16, 33. And 
let's see, I, I can't remember the very first part of the verse right now because I'm on the spot, but I can usually say it out loud because I have it memorized. But it's God, he's saying, fear not, talking about the world's imperfect. And, but he has overcome the world, take heart that he's overcome the world. So that always gave me, I don't know, it's not quite an answer, but it's like a reassurance, I guess, in a way. It makes mm-hmm. me feel reassured that it's okay that things aren't always perfect and great and we're ha- not happy all the time here but God has overcome all of this and one day we will too you know that's kind of how I what I took away from it so yeah that's so so funny how we've similar due dates and both found the verse in John yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful yeah I think that too you know like you said living in this imperfect world and I think a lot of the times we think that things need to be perfect. And the thing with loss and grief is that it's messy. It's hard. It's ugly. You know, it is anything far from perfect when it comes to dealing with that. And I think to just giving yourself so much grace and just allowing yourself to go through those things and that it's not going to be perfect because yeah, we do. We live in an imperfect world, but God is there to guide us through that. So have you found a creative way or creative outlet to help you heal? I know you said you you do your gratitude journal or you like to journal something like art or writing or support groups, anything helpful in processing your grief that helps you to honor your child's memory. That is a beautiful question. Um, So I, my small business is I design graphic tees and while I was going through my loss and grief with Sam in the very beginning, those first couple months, you know, I definitely took a step back from my business and I basically took a break from it. And in that time, that is exactly what I needed. I took, you know, the time that I needed for that. But now um, that I have kind of walked through and gone through and processed some of those grief feelings being able to get back into my creative space of my business has actually felt very, very good. I kind of redid some things business-wise even, and I have weekly launches now and just the meaning behind so many of my designs really are inspired by Sam and our journey of loss that can be related back to so many different things in life. And so when I felt ready to start sharing more on social media um, of the feelings that we are experiencing with loss and grief, it has been kind of a little bit of an outlet for me to share some of those feelings on social media and through my business with my designs and stuff. And so this for October, the design that I have coming up is Be the Sunshine And that design is going to be in memory of Sam and also to provide awareness on infant loss here in October. And so it's been a very nice way to find pieces of myself back again because I felt like I did. I lost so many pieces of myself through loss and grief and to use my business in the creative outlet that I do to kind of put those pieces back together a little bit in ways that are authentic and true to me. And just after going through all of this loss, I just feel like I am a completely different person than what I was before. 
and the perspective and the outlook that I have on so many different aspects of life. It's been very rewarding for me to be able to share those pieces through my designs and my artwork on my shirts and just within different aspects of my business. And also I have ordered like four of the shirts. So <laughs> they're a part of my um, my new fall wardrobe. So I will definitely be ordering the one coming out in October. So uh, I really have enjoyed those shirts. So, Well, thank you. Like I said, it's been nice that it's been a nice creative outlet and I've been able to have just an impact on others through it as well through sharing just more real and raw feelings because I think that that's also not done enough where people feel truly alone thinking that they're the only ones that feel these things and being able to provide a little bit more sense of community and connection and just letting others know that in the different seasons of life that they're in, the different things that they go through on a daily basis through motherhood and being a wife and whether you're an employee or a business owner or whatever role that you serve in your life, that you are not alone. Um, And I think that that too has been one of my biggest takeaways through this whole thing is you are not alone. And so reach out to those that you need to because you aren't, you are not alone. Yeah. So I have one last question and it's kind of just through this experience, how has it influenced like your perspective on parenthood with your your family, like in just life in general? Oh, absolutely. I think it's had a huge impact on parenting and just time and how we spend our time because time is very precious. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so I think that definitely we have really taken the time to slow down, to just really enjoy the boys more, to interact with them more. And two, to really help them as they're starting to get a little bit older. And like Kip this year, he's a kindergartner. And so there's been some things that have come up with him that we've kind of had to deal with, you know, more on the emotional side of things and just really just trying to take a moment to pause and just to be there for our kids and what capacity they need us to be and to just parenting and being a mother, being a father, it's a a true gift. And I'm very honored to be able to be a mother to our sweet little babies. And it's just definitely given me a lot more perspective to just slow down. And that when thing, when the time, you know, are hard, when the boys are driving me absolutely insane, when they're running around the house being so wild and they're wrestling on the floor <laughs> and about to break the lamp or something to just sit back and just remember that they're not doing anything wrong. They're just being boys and they're just having fun with each other. And so too, I think just not being so quick to losing my temper or to snapping back at them to knock it off and to just let them be kids, you know, let them get dirty outside. There's, you have a bathtub for a reason. And so I think some of the little things that used to just kind of always get under my skin to just take a moment back and be like, we have them here to enjoy. Let's enjoy them. Yes. Yeah. I think it really, um, like those moments where you feel like, I always say like when I want to hulk out and like go crazy and flip out on my kids because they're about to tear the house down. I 
I have to like flip my perspective and instead of like, I mean, we still want to pull our hair out because they're still frustrating us and we're overwhelmed, overstimulated. But mm-hmm. I have to remind myself that or to look at it from a place of being grateful. Like I'm grateful that I am overstimulated and crazy and about to pull my hair out because they are blessings, they're miracles, and mm-hmm. it's just really puts those little moments where you feel so frustrated, it, it puts it into a whole nother perspective of like you you can be so grateful even when you're frustrated. So yeah. Oh yes, absolutely. And I think before you're like, you know, you think about being overstimulated and overwhelmed and you just really spiral into those feelings and mm-hmm. instead just taking a step back and just realizing that through the chaos, there is so much to be grateful for and what blessings, true blessings. Mm -hmm. I think this has been a really, really good interview, Ellen. For everybody listening, where can they find you on social media? So the space that I am in the most um, on Instagram is on my Midwest Marigold page. Um, That is my t-shirt business. And I interact a lot on that page. So it's at Midwest.Marigold. And then I also do have a website, shopmidwestmarigold.com. Okay. And I'll be sure to link those both in our show notes so everybody can, can go directly to you. And I'm so, so grateful that you agreed to be on the show today. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor to be here to chat with you. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to share our story. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Emerging as Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and touch more lives. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To continue the conversation, you can find and follow me on Instagram. Talk with y'all later.